I'm Evan Smith of the Texas Tribune, and this is Point of Order, a podcast about the ins and outs, the ups and downs, people and politics, and traditions of the 86th Texas Legislature. This week, roll credits. The 2019 session is finally in the books. The House and Senate gaveled out on Monday, May 27th, and Governor Abbott quickly confirmed what we all suspected. With no non-plumbing-related business, critical or political, left unfinished, state lawmakers, and therefore the rest of us, will not be back at the Capitol this summer. See you in January 2021. We'll spend the interim analyzing the component parts of the five months that just ended. The wins and losses, best of the best legislators, and the worst of the worst, and the ways in which our lives will be different thanks to the work done and not done because of what the ledge did for us and to us. But even without time to reflect, we have a sense of what happened and why and what the implications are. The 2018 election cycle and the narrower partisan split it produced did have consequences. The assertions by the Speaker, Lieutenant Governor, and Governor that they were singing in three-part harmony turned out to be true. The all-business agenda was, within the margin of error, all business. The biggest boxes on the to-do list got checked off, and a bunch of bad votes and needlessly divisive bills either never materialized or were quickly disappearing. There was one night of drama there at the end, and it was delightful, but it was the exception that proved the rule. Signy die was early and boring. No fistfights and no suspense. The only thing truly noteworthy about the last day of the 86th was the Speaker's assertion that he expected sitting members to steer clear of campaigning against one another or else face the consequences when they return to the 87th. So what happens now? That's always the question at moments like this, isn't it? To answer it and to look back at how we got here, since you don't know where you're going unless you know where you've been, I sat down for one final episode of this podcast with key members of each chamber, the Speaker Pro Tem of the Texas House, Joe Moody, and the President Pro Tem of the Texas Senate, Kirk Watson, the five-term El Paso Democrat and seven-term Austin Democrat occupied ceremonial but still meaningful positions in leadership from January through May. They know the substance of the issues debated and decided as well as any of their colleagues. With details of the 86th still fresh, legislation yet to be signed into law or vetoed, and family members eager to get on the road or at least get on with what comes next, we three talked on the morning of May 29th, day 141 of the 140. of Order is supported by the Meadows Mental Health Policy Institute. Our vision is for Texas to be the national leader in treating people with mental health needs. More at TexasStateOfMind.org. And by Lone Star College. Learn why over 99,000 students choose Lone Star College for affordable access to high-quality higher education. Nationally recognized, globally connected, locally focused. LoneStar.edu and Texas State Technical College, the solution to the skills gap in Texas. 
Find out more at tstc.edu slash 86th session. Uh, which was the best sign he died party last night, Mr. Speaker? Uh, of the ones that I remember, um, <laughs> that, that really that really is what I was getting at. I wanted you to cop to being, no, as I, the kids say, hungover <laughs> AF this morning. Well, I appreciate the Bloody Marys this morning. It's really helping out. So yes, there, the there, we, I should thank our Bloody Mary sponsor. <laughs> Senator Watson, you said that like me, an old person, we're both res I, I, respectably I, I, old. I, I, Really resent we start this with you attacking me and calling me old, but <laughs> yes, uh, my the best signing die party I had last night was sitting in my comfortable chair uh, by myself, hosted and, by yes, Mrs. Watson. That's right, just enjoying the day, indeed, an evening. So, party or not, I want to ask the two of you: Is there something really to celebrate? We've gotten to the point with this session of always saying, "Oh, it was the best session. Oh, it was a great session. Oh, it was kumbaya. Oh, it was so wonderful." Was it really, Senator Watson? Well, I always think that uh, toward the end of the session, the hyperbole really comes out. But it was a good session. And uh, any session where there is far more focus on the school children of the state of Texas than on a lot of other things that we've seen in previous sessions, although there was there were some things I can some, be very critical of. Some of that probably, yeah. right. But, but when you come out of a legislative session where there's no court order uh, to do something about the schools— you actually use that the legislative session to build on the work of a school finance commission that worked during the interim between the sessions, and you come out with a plan that has had to be heavily negotiated between the Senate and the House through the conference committee. Uh, you come out with a plan that really does move the ball forward in a lot of ways on uh, reforming public schools. Uh, I think we ought to set aside our cynicism a little bit and say, yeah, right. there was some success. And you're defining it, and I'm going to ask you, Representative me the same thing. You're defining success not by the absence of bad things, but by the presence of yeah, good things. Yeah, I mean, look, after the uh, 85th session, uh, into after 2017, I was very critical. Uh, I did not believe that having a school finance commission to spend – the interim studying what we ought to do. And that we've been studying for 40 yeah, that's years right. or more. Yeah, I thought, I actually, I've said it out loud, I thought that was a very poor consolation prize. Yeah. And, and and as I've joked, you'll rarely, if ever, hear me admit I was wrong, but I will say <laughs> I wasn't as right as I would have liked to have been because the commission did some really good work in terms of what we need to do to move education forward. And this session we put a lot of that into statute. And that I, I think that's, that's worthy amazing. of celebration. Uh, Representative Moody, uh, definitely Vice Chair Bernal of the Education Committee and maybe even Chair Huberty of the Education Committee would have been among those, like Senator Watson, who yeah. thought, roll your eyes at a school finance commission. Why are we bothering to study something we know we need to fix? Well, and, I th and, and to their point... Um they, they had been digging into this. Yeah. <laughs> so it was not... It's not what, they weren't... I don't think they went into it thinking they were going to learn anything new. Maybe, maybe you know, to the senator's point, it, it built the structure that allowed you to stand on top of it to be successful this session. And you know, Diego did some amazing lifting. Uh, you know, from our side of the aisle, Mary Gonzalez be the other one. Um, you know, but we also had new people at the table: Jimmy Tallarico. Um, you know, the folks that are folks that really dug in on a very difficult issue. And, and Huberty, let's say it out loud. 
accomplish something that a lot of previous well-intentioned public education chairs it's going been a back long time coming You're many me many Scott generations have Scott not been Hawker, able to accomplish Rob right? Eisler, well know, jimmy, jimmy don, don acock, acock who he, in his last session you know kind of came to the five yard line without being able to get the ball over the yeah, goal and I, line and and uh, huberty actually he did it. he he was uh, you know you look around the body at least on our side of the building there were is very few that were yeah. more impactful than, uh, than Huberty. And, and it wasn't and I, and clear I, that Larry Taylor would match that on the Senate side, but let's give Senator Taylor, Chairman oh, Taylor, credit let, also. Let me tell you, both of those, both of those two deserve um, a lot of credit. Um, I, I told uh, Chairman Huberty on the Senate floor uh, when we were passing that thing, uh, when he came over and was watching what was going on, I told him, he, I said, you made, you made all of us look good. Um, he, he did it. He, he did that. And, um, and then, uh, I can't say enough about my friend and colleague Larry Taylor. He um, he he worked as hard as anybody I've ever seen in a legislative session. Yeah. And, and before, I mean, let's let's be let's be clear. And before, and uh, there were some dark times there at the end, where many of us, if we had to bet real money, we would have bet that it was not going to get out of there. But um, Larry never gave up. It wasn't clear that the Senate was going to have a bill of its own really to match the House bill. In fact, at one point we thought, and I think even Chairman Taylor alluded to the possibility that they would just piggyback on a House bill. Yeah. Um, the conversation about teacher pay at the beginning of the session didn't necessarily go the way, at least at first, that Chairman Taylor wanted it to go. Um, there were a lot of aspects of it that he had to navigate. I mean, there's politics and everything, but especially in this – and yet, in the end, the Senate was an equal partner to the House. That's really what I'm getting at. Yeah, I don't no, think that I, it was clear that would be the case at the beginning, and it absolutely was. By I, I agree with that. And and I, I where I give the credit on that happening is to uh, Larry. He he had um, a deep knowledge of what it was we were dealing with, right. and he always communicated that. But importantly, in a very uh, in, a, in the hot crucible of what we were all dealing with, having a leader who had the kind of patience that he had, yep. the willingness to 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 be patient, and then I, you know, let's go back. I, I, the the truth of the matter is, I think having Larry and, and Huberty, those those two personalities worked very well together. Right. And and you know, sometimes you have the right people in the right place. And, and let those, me also say, those two were that in your body, the presiding officer is often the chair of every committee. And the fact is, being a successful chair of a committee in that body is sometimes an even bigger accomplishment. Right in your body, your presiding officer, the speaker, mm -hmm. made committee assignments that were intended to enact an agenda that he was quite transparent about at the beginning of the session. Public education is number one, number two, number three, number four, number five priority. <laughs> um, he could have put his own person in that uh, in that committee. He could have made a change for the sake of making a change. New sheriff in town. I'm going to sure. put in new deputies. Right. He left Huberty in there. Said we're going to give you another shot at this after not being able to get the ball over the goal line himself last session. And Huberty rose to the occasion, right? Yeah. Which, in retrospect, seems like it was, of course, always going to happen. But it's a lot harder in the execution, right? The, oh, oh, for sure. Yeah. But the the tone that the speaker set from the beginning was, um, "I'm going to empower my chairs to do their work, and where I can be helpful, I'll be helpful." But and we, you know what the program is. I mean, he said he said the beauty of telling people we're going to fix. Public education. I don't have to come up with a plan. I'm gonna put the experts in place. So you look at that committee that they built from top to bottom. Those every single one of them workhorses, right? And people, yeah. people are going to dig into something that has right. been hard to get across the goal line or impossible to get across the goal line. So 
I mean, that's I mean, that happened not just in PubMed, but across the across the board, empowering chairs to yeah. do the work that they put them there to do. Is the bill as good as the bill should have been or could have been? Well, I mean, any, anything that's negotiated that that you know gets to the eleventh hour like that, you're going to, um, you know, you're going to give away some stuff that would have been better. I, I think the I think our ability to pay that bill going forward is the biggest question mark that exists for us. Um, I think it's good that it's, I think there's some really great things that we accomplished in there, but that's the, the, the precarious position we're going to be in going forward. Is, Even if are, we don't, able, yeah. are we able to pay for this going forward? And if we can't, how do we fix that? Because um, those cuts, those cuts would be hard to make. Even if you don't like every detail in the bill and you'll never like every detail in any bill, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. The fact is Except a lot of money own. is going into public ed. And there's a bit of a rebalancing, maybe maybe not as much of a rebalancing of the seesaw as you would have liked, but it's a start at least in that direction. I mean that. So when you right. when you stop and think about um, the fact that we have a bill that has uh, full day pre K, that has a bill that finally recognizes the the difficulty and the need to address uh, economically disadvantaged students and pockets of of economically disadvantaged students, uh, when you when you just you just start there. This is a major a major movement in the right direction, but I agree with um, Representative Moody that that what we're going to need to do is is show an incredible discipline and recognize that if you're if, you know a couple of things that I've complained about forever uh, is one of the big ones is that you can't have a school system school finance system that is so overly dependent on property taxes. Well, we made progress in that regard. But what that means is if you're not going to have it overly dependent on property taxes, you're going to need to have revenue sources that right. will fill that bucket. You're, and, you're making a commitment not just for the, this biennium, but you're essentially making a commitment for future biennium. I certainly hope. I certainly hope. Because to Representative Moody's point, having to walk back from this investment that you've made this biennium in future budgets would be pretty bad. Be horrible. What, and, and, but, the, the, but the good news is we've made a commitment. Yeah. Now let's be disciplined and try right. to live up to that. Yeah. Representative Moody, how much of this was the right thing to do and we finally did it? And how much of this was the voters kicked our asses last time and we had to do it? Otherwise, they were coming for us in two years. A little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. Seriously? <laughs> no, I mean— Starting at the top. In other words, the new speaker at the conclusion of what was kind of a nothing burger speaker's race in the end, but still the first open speaker's race in 25 years, he took— a message from the last election and set the tone saying we got to stick to the script. We got to do the business of the state and the business Correct. of the state is fixed school. Well, things. and this is what I, you know, however people thought about, you know, Dennis in the past about, you know, thinking maybe he was too combative or whatever and, and how he would end up being speaker. I said, Dennis doesn't want to be a one-term speaker. He wants to do the right thing by the, what guides him right. more than anything else is the institution and the respect. I mean, he grew up, in that he place. is a literal man of the house. He, he is a man right. of the house, and so protecting the institution was above all else. And that means that the entire body is a is is, is a team. While we're going to have divisions, it's yeah. it, de- defending that team, and 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 if that's what drives him, so that's why we got the business of Texas done because that's what he focused right. on. Because that's what makes the body look good. That's what makes the, right. the body work. And so, is there a political piece of that? Sure. We're we're, we're in politics. <laughs> you know, they right. certainly want to hold the majority, and the way to do that is to deliver on. Big ticket items like this. Yeah, and in a legislature where nothing is unanimous, where the House and the Senate don't get along on a regular basis in a way that, you know, like everyone's on the same page, or where the parties don't get along, 31 to nothing on the education bill. Jonathan Stickland, caucus of one, 
on the House bill. Can't convince everybody. 180 out of 181, right? I, I even think showed the speaker voting aye on the education bill, he did. right? Mm-hmm. Didn't he? Yep. I mean, everyone's on the same page. Now, property tax, not so much. Um, you were for it. I, I was for it off the floor. Um, out of conference, I, I voted against it. Right, but I, you were, but you were for it off the floor. Yeah, I was. Yeah. And You're you, talking about SB2. I'm talking about SB2. Yeah. Um, and you were against. Well, and, and yes, absolutely. Were you against as a senator or as a former mayor or both? Both. Yeah. Um, I, I, th- I don't think it provides, I think it provides a lot of rhetoric for property tax relief. Yeah. And I think it hamstrings um, local governments in ways that uh, it's, it, it's convenient for those in the right. capital to point to and uh, say that they're responsible for this. The real, it's a local deal. It's a local deal. And, and, and I think you've heard me say it many times. I've said it uh, in this room before yeah. that I believe we elect local officials to make those decisions. Right. And there are elections where if you disagree with those decisions, throw them out. But it's really not my job to decide what the El Paso City Council or the El right. Paso County Commissioner's Courts ought to be doing, just like it's not yeah. the job of people from El Paso to decide what the mayor and commissioner's court in Travis County do. So in your case, Representative Moody, here we have the spectacle of the Democratic state representative from El Paso supporting a property tax reform bill opposed by the former occupant of this seat who was a Republican state representative from El Paso who defeated you for the one term you were sent back home, who is now the mayor of El Paso and is a nonpartisan mayor, is a self-identified Republican. He opposed this bill. Yeah, he did. And you supported it because he was opposing it as a mayor, as a local official, to the point that— I was getting back at him. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, here's the thing. I mean, the negotiations on that bill were were so broad, and I think Chairman Burroughs was trying to gather up as much as he could. By to, the way, let's also create- give Chairman Burroughs credit. Again, oh, sure. first-term chair of Ways and Means, someone who had not been, and I mean this in the most respectful way, a terribly significant member in previous sessions. He had not been as much of a contributor to the big accomplishments. Th- think about where Dustin Burroughs has come from. He went in his third term. He is chair of the House Republican Caucus and the chair of Ways and Means, right. and a very close, you know, ally of, of the Speaker. And so, did not get his ass handed to him on either one of those jobs. That should that should tell you how skilled he is. Right. So so he he navigated. You're saying he navigated a pretty complicated it, political a, channel. And, and it was this. You know, yeah. this is this is one of Den- again. This is one of Dennis's un, you know kind of un, unfinished business from from the last couple sessions. And so handing that to to Chairman Burroughs, I think was. Certainly put a lot of pressure on him to, to deliver that. So, so. Senator Watson's uh, predis- uh, successor, pardon me, successor as mayor, the current mayor of Austin, sat here and talked to me for this podcast earlier in the session about the kind of coming cataclysm if this bill were to pass. Public safety expenses are going up year over year by a higher threshold than the bill was likely to allow for without mm-hmm. going to the voters. And, you know, this was going to be, you know, hellfire and brimstone, locusts and all that kind of stuff. Um, the legislature wasn't buying it from him or from any of the other local officials who were crying poverty. And apparently you were not buying it because you wouldn't have voted yes initially if you believed that that bill was going to undermine the ability of local officials. Correct. I, I certainly want to protect local control. I, the conversations that I was part of during that debate, I, I thought that we were going to be able to lift a couple of more pieces into it yeah. uh, going forward in conference that would have allowed uh, – the proper amount of flexibility at the local level. Ultimately, that didn't happen in conference, um, which is, is disappointing. Um, I think we, it could have been a little bit better. The transparency pieces of that bill are actually very good. I don't think anybody has, has a problem with that. It's the mechanics of, of that rollback 
uh, election are going to be Will any of us feel this property tax relief? Represent, uh, you know, Senator? Not from SB2, and, and even on HB, no on SB2, which is the one that deals with cities and counties and other jurisdictions. On HB3, uh, no one should expect, and I, I try to preach this as much as I can, no one should expect that they're going to feel some big tax break uh, that occurs. Although, um, you know, 7% decrease in the first year, and then uh, the way uh, we came out of conference committee on that with uh, – a, a, a requirement, if you will, that the districts end up using what is best for them in terms of tax compression, uh, that will make a difference over over time on, on property tax. You both know what's going to happen. We'll head into a primary season beginning after Labor Day, and incumbents are going to go home where they have challengers, uh, and when they get into the general election, should they get out of the primary, and they're going to say, I cut your property taxes in the last session. That will be a lie. Because you can't cut property taxes at the state level. You can only reform the way property taxes are levied at the local level, right? So we're all clear on that, right? We didn't cut property taxes as a consequence of this. Well, that's right, in, 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 in the sense that you just described it. Um, but what, I, and I, what I've said over and over again is I go back to the way we have been dealing with the financing of public schools. When the state share of the school finance system keeps going down so that it's more and more and more dependent upon local property taxes, which has been a huge failing of state government. And then you turn that system the way this should do, uh, there's value to that. When when you make a difference, just for the taxpayer on recapture, um, districts like Austin Independent School District are going to see in the first year just under $200 million less that they send to the state. That's significant. And just $200 million, a little over $200 million in the second year that they send to the state. That is a big deal. Do you think you've gotten Representative Moody a handle on appraisal, rising appraisal rates or inconsistent methods of uh, appraising um, residential and commercial property from county to county through this bill? Because part of the problem here is not just property taxes, it's appraisals. Well, and I think that's probably the piece that's still left unaddressed out there to be done i mean the trans like i said the transparency piece is going to give some information to people they didn't have before i mean ultimately what what i'd like to do is 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 get some more um you know on those commercial properties that's that's really where our problems are you know we, we need to make sure that people are paying their fair share because you know they're the ones that have the ability to fight at the appraisal uh, right. level they can lobby here right they, the regular folks that just trying to yeah. live check to check or trying to make sure they can pay their mortgage, I mean, they don't have that same power. And so we should do everything we can for the homeowners, those property owners. Protect and, the little guy. And, and really, you know, have some accountability for the larger property owners. An, an observation about the budget that you all passed, $250 billion first quarter billion, quarter trillion, I keep saying billion, quarter trillion dollar budget in the history of the state. So much for this being a conservative state with a conservative budget, right? I guess that's what Mr. Stickland would say. Well, but, but, but there are conservative groups who are saying, God, the state got off the leash on the increase in the budget this time. Now, now I know that the two of you believe, I know, that we need to spend more to do the things that we need to do as a state. But let's acknowledge it's a hell of an increase in the budget. No, it, but but with a rapidly growing state, yep. uh, with the you know, 
there's not a press conference. There's a press conference held almost every day to brag about how many more people are coming here, and um, and and we're happy about that. And awesome. there's also a press conference pretty much every day about how much uh, the economy is growing in Texas. Well, those things lead to increased needs, and and right. um, and I will say that some of that some of the money that was spent was uh, money from the, the Economic Stabilization Fund, or what's called the Rainy Day Fund, to pay for the kinds of things that we ought to be paying for. One of the things I'm very uh, proud of and happy about is the continued commitment to brain health uh, in the state. Yep. And putting money in, you know, $165 million uh, went into building the next phase of the Austin State Hospital and, and building right. out the continuum of brain health care, and that's part of a, a total of 445 million dollars. So so things like that do start adding up. Right. But there are commitments that have been made that that um, that I think need to be followed through. You know, Representative Moody, that there are conservative groups already saying we're not going to support Republican incumbents in the next election cycle because we they think we think they deserted us on the core principles of conservative uh fiscal policy. They signed on to a budget that increased I mean, you know eh, that's laughable. I mean I mean what the senator just said. This is a rapidly growing state. Right. That, that comes with infrastructure need. That's come with, I mean, it comes with education. I mean, water infrastructure, higher education. I mean, all these things that we have to, we have to. It doesn't, doesn't just happen. Yeah. And so the state's not going. We're not. We're not slowing down anytime soon. Yeah. And so for someone to say that that you threw away conservative, no, well, no, and, you, you took you took care of the business at hand. I don't know how that's not. And to the senator's okay. point, you have needs. Yes. You have growth, and you have the money. Yes. Part of it was that you start out to. Cycle start out start, the start budget out with cycle the surplus. with the and with the comptroller coming back and yeah. saying you've got nine billion more and then he comes back and he says actually you got half billion more than That's right. that and so if you have the money and you have the need and you don't spend it the real liability may be not spending it when you needed it and you had it well and and, and we don't have to go very far to realize there are some things we're still not spending the money we need to spend I mean yeah. this state is in gridlock when it comes to traffic and we. Right. And we act like that's not the case. Well, and that gets to where I want to go next with this, uh, which is what didn't get done. You know, we're all uh, straining our shoulders, patting ourselves on the back over how we made significant progress on school finance, property tax, peace and blessings. I yeah. accept that. But those things crowded out and drowned out almost every other conversation this session. Mm -hmm. Healthcare is still Absolutely. a line item in the budget, almost equal in percentage to education. We now have more kids going on to the uninsured roles than we have going into the public education system of Texas annually. And the uninsured children's uh, roles have started to go back up after going down for 10 consecutive years. Transportation is a massive problem today. It's going to get significantly worse as population grows. Just to name two big ticket items, Representative Moody, that this legislature may have nibbled around the edges on, mm -hmm. but largely left unaddressed for two more years. I, I, I will, uh, yeah, I think those two for sure. And I will also say, I think in the arena of criminal justice reform, which is by and large a bipartisan issue. Something uh, that you care a we, lot about, I know. I, I'm a little bit selfish in plugging this, but um, there were this session was built to be a very big session on criminal justice reform. And other than maybe- And it wasn't. It, it, I, 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 it'd be hard for me to say anything else. I think there was, I think it was a massive, um, I'd call it a massive failure. To, to not harness what is a fairly straightforward bipartisan and issue. And it's a national conversation. Good gracious, the Trump administration yeah. had its ass in gear better than we did. Uh, it, 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 right? It's something, it's something yeah. that um, post-mortem we're going to have to look at because 
there's no there's no reason for us to have fallen flat on that if at all. People, if if it was truly bipartisan, Representative Moody, so there wasn't this massive opposition. I mean, I understand that we may be still be a session or two away from marijuana being fully mainstreamed. So let's put that to the side. Sure. I saw a graphic last night from a publication called The Appeal that I tweeted out that we are now only one of four states that has not raised the age of juvenile jurisdiction to 18. How is it possible that we are that far behind not just the communist states like California and Massachusetts, <laughs> that, I mean, but honest-to-goodness conservative states? And that's a good example, yeah. right? Raise the age uh, is something that's been talked about for several sessions now. It's not like it's not like it just rose as an issue this session. We should be building towards these things. And yeah, they're, they're, they're big changes, and so it takes many sessions to get to them. But we've done the work. We've done the studies. And so that falls flat. You've got, you know, significant but very straightforward reforms to the death penalty that, that, it's our that, that the, the courts are saying to you, hello, you got to do this. The Supreme right? Court twice, yeah. including, you know, John Roberts, you know, the, you know, the liberal no idea of a judge, liberal, right. Yeah. Telling us, and, and we can't get those simple, straightforward things done. I, I'm pretty disappointed. I mean, just, I mean, obviously I care about those issues a lot. So very disappointed that we didn't get, now we ended the driver's responsibility program. I think that's a big deal. Finally. There were, there were some things that, there were some things that we did succeed on. So, I mean, I, I don't want to be gloom and doom about it, but, there were, I mean, civil asset forfeiture, no movement, uh, death penalty, no movement, drug policy reform, no movement. Uh, there were a couple of things on the correction side that we got done, but right, I mean, class C tickets we didn't get done. Um, you know, it's a uh, yeah. It, I, w- it's I went into the session, Senator Watson, saying criminal justice reform is the only bipartisan issue in this legislature. It turns out, no, education was more of a bipartisan issue in the sense of being able to accomplish something meaningful. That, 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 sure. Right, then criminal justice. Mm-hmm. That, that happened. And in and, and areas that I thought would be more um, open, things like m- dealing with maternal mortality. Mm-hmm. Um, when I came, if, you'd have, if you'd asked me to bet at the beginning of the session, I would have bet that we right. would have done. Who is for more dead women? Yeah, I mean, yeah, what? Yeah. The, right? and, 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 we, and we know we know some of the things we should do. Um, but we failed, the legislature failed to do that in part because it involves the the – Medicaid word, and if you say the Medicaid oh, word, it's, it, it wipes everything out. Yep. Another nope. thing, you know, another thing that, we, that I'm, I'm disappointed that we didn't get to is we, we did not pay enough attention to our state employees. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm, I'm very, I mean, we, we, we did better by teachers. Did some TRS stuff. That's that right. right yeah. but, 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 man, there's a lot that we need to do at a time when you have a budget and you have the, the resources to take care of your state employees. Now, the controversial issues that took up some air during the session, uh, Chick-fil-A, defunding Planned Parenthood, you know, that got through, let's not minimize the degree to which that opposition was heartfelt or the impact may be, uh, may uh, be uh, significant. SB 22, which is the one that you're referring to about Planned Parenthood, that was a show vote from yeah. start to finish. I, I, again, I'm not minimizing it by saying what I'm about to say, but those were the exceptions that proved the rule this session in terms of sharp objects on the table that would have divided parties and divided chambers, right? Well, you also had uh, the Monuments Bill. Uh, right, but it ended up not going anywhere. That's right. It, the voting right, SB9 didn't go failed. anywhere. Yeah. Taxpayer-funded lobbying didn't go. I mean, I'm – and then there were a bunch of well, things. You're talking, you're local, talking about local, those that, that, that may have been there, bills. but they didn't pass. Right. I mean, the I'm – Look, yeah. there, were, there were controversial issues stipulated. However, SB 22, SB 1978, to the side, which I realize is a little bit like other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? I mean, I'm not minimizing the impact of those bills. 
But I'm simply getting to the idea that there was a lot of controversial stuff that ultimately died on the vine. Good. Um, well, but 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 again, make government boring again. If you well, that's that's right? Matthew Dowd says that the slogan for the Democrats in 2020 should be "Make America Boring Again," and you all took on a piece of that yourself. Here's the right? thing: like we're not here for entertainment; we're here to do business. No, you are here for entertainment. Yeah. You're wrong. <laughs> Get out now. Um, no, but 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 I'll tell you the thing that I find most remarkable is what a layup to fight back against paid sick leave mandates at the city level, and you guys couldn't even get that done because it got tied up with something controversial. And this legislature— I think both of us were opposed to that. Um, Right, but— but I wasn't trying to get that one done. Yeah, but you— I worked very hard that didn't do. You know, you can count, and I can count, and the fact is a clean bill that got rid of paid sick leave— was a no-brainer. It was a layup. Not politically. But they chose not but to do But it got freighted with they, something that was a bridge too far, even for Republicans like the chair of state affairs. As I ask questions on the Senate floor right. of the author of that bill, if if you really don't intend to allow for this to just say to, 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 to end discrimination, uh, indiscrimination ordinances, then write it down in the bill. Right. I always find it interesting that some who say, well, it's not my intent— are that some of the very same people that don't want the courts to read anything other mm-hmm. than the words on the paper, um, and and he they would not put it in. And right. I agree. I think that what happened is that made it a bridge too far and probably right. loaded down the bill and killed yeah. it. And I thought that one of the most amazing moments of the session, Representative Moody, was Chairman Phelan of Beaumont, who, mm-hmm. again, like others we've talked about during this discussion, no one's idea of a liberal. No, no. Made the extraordinary statement that this is 2019. We're gonna we're done hating on the gay community, and we are not going to accept that bill unless that language is in it. And if that language is stripped from that bill in conference, we're going to vote against it. And at the end of the day, you all as a body did nothing on paid sick leave, which again I'm amazed. I, I'm, I'm by that. first of all, I mean I think that was that was a powerful moment, and I'm glad that he said it the way that he did. Yeah, because that's what leadership is. That's what leadership looks but, like. You know, I, I, you know, I've said in another context today, you know, I'm once a Texas monthly editor, always a Texas monthly editor. I'm always thinking about legislatures in terms of best and worst. <laughs> and I thought that, you know, however you feel about the paid sick leave issue or the LGBTQ non-discrimination issues, mm-hmm. that moment by Chairman Phelan would have put him on the best list any year that I edited Texas Monthly simply because he stuck his neck out, yeah. right? Well, he 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 uh, he had a good session. Uh, he the again open, coming from the effectively coming from the back bench to well, be he, the chair of that he, committee. Right? He had, he had mm-hmm. a very good session. He, he the the Open Meetings Act bill. Um, right. I, I passed it in the Senate. Sent it over. He picked that up, and I mean, boom, it, zipped. It, it, it was through. And so he he right. um, he, he did a really. And good then on job. the other side, in terms of a level of activity out of state affairs, Charles Perry's bill on occupational licensing that also had an LGBTQ aspect to it showed up on April the 2nd in state affairs and was never heard from or seen Mm -hmm. again. And those things don't just happen or not happen by accident, right? As it goes, what was the worst bill representative Moody got past the session? That's going to get the governor's signature. SB 22. You would say the same Senator SB 22. Um, is there one thing, if you could go back and wave your wand, that you would have liked to get done that didn't get done, that sort of came close but didn't make, what would it have been? It would have been um, legislation that does a better job of reforming how we deal with the permanent school fund and how money goes to the available school fund. 
Um, this is I, via, via the land commission. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, it came, came through the school through the school land board, right? Uh, we first raised that issue uh, during the Sunset Commission hearings on the school, <clears throat> excuse me, the school land board. And um, that I think that's probably one of those issues that takes two sessions for it to percolate all the way up. But particularly as we come into the next session, like we talked about earlier, where we're going to be looking for revenue, right. we need to reform that system. Um, there's too much in that system of uh, somebody saying, I've I've made a billion dollars for the school children of Texas through the use of state lands and minerals, but we're not giving we're not it to the school. It. Yeah, we're, but we're not going right. to give it to the school. Representative Moody, what was the missed opportunity, the one thing? Wave your wand over it and make it come back to life. What would it have been? Uh, I mean, I think it's the issue that was that really tied the house up multiple on multiple occasions. That was um, transparency and class CRS, the Sandra Bland piece. I, and I saw you on the floor the other day uh, concurring with the conference committee and asking your colleagues to support a bill that you felt was not the bill it should have been, right? We, we had the Sandra Bland amendment on there. Actually, it wasn't even the full James White bill. It was a, it was a piece that said, right. if you're going to make an arrest in the Class C ticket, right. then we just want you to give us a reason. And apparently that is treasonous when it comes to Cleet. And I, I, am, I have never seen the level of, 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 of lying in the process that took place on that piece of legislation. It was mind-boggling to me. It's rare for you all to call out an organization, I, and particularly law enforcement on the floor the way that you did. The rank-and-file guys are fine. It, it, it is the leadership here at the lobby team that, that they did a big disservice to the people they represent across yeah. the state because they lost a ton of credibility with people that right. typically stand lockstep with them. Senator Watson, you were on the nominations committee. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the last 24 hours, we were all on Whitley Watch. We had all gotten these texts in the press. Oh, they're going to try to bring up Whitley. They're going to put Eddie Lucio and Chewy Hinojosa's hands in warm water like a fraternity house, and they're going to make them have to go pee. So then the minute that they're in the bathroom, we're going to call a vote on Whitley, you know. Um, did he ever have a chance? I, unfortunately, um, the rumors always keep things percolating, but I don't think he... Was there ever a moment where you were on Whitley Watch? I know we were all on Whitley Oh, well, we Watch. were always on Whitley Watch, uh, sure, because we've all been in situations where somebody's not there. Um, we've, had, we've had experiences like that. You didn't have a sign from the lieutenant governor two weeks ago, this thing is dead, don't worry? No, but um, he, he, was, uh, he seemed to be very fair in the way he was approaching things. I mean, we knew... Yeah. We, we, we kind of, as a group, knew that if somebody had to go to a kid's graduation— Well, the Jose Menendez example right. that, that we reported that, on about, I need to go to my fifth-grade kid's right. graduation. That, that was not going to be— uh, You know, Boris Miles was excused one day, had an excused absence because he wasn't— But there, my guess is there would have been at least one Republican member or more that would have voted— uh, in Miles's place, in, sol in solidarity with, with the, with yeah, the if something weird happened because we recognized there was value right. to somebody being able to go. Uh, but every every morning, maybe not every morning, but pretty close to every morning, I would start with five texts from somebody saying the rumor is that Whitley's going to be brought up today. This is Whitley Day. Yeah, today they're going to do it today. They're going to do it today, and um, and. That's the fun, I guess, of watching the legislature and watching the Senate when there's something controversial like that. But I always felt like— um, Well, we all love a plot twist out here in the world. That, well, that's right. That would have been a big plot. Uh, did the lieutenant governor, who you just uh, called out for being fair on the Whitley thing, have a good session, grade his session? Um, well, I think he did have a pretty good session, in part because he did some things that um, 
brought uh, some bipartisan approach to things. I and mean, you don't always agree with everything he does. Well, no, I, that, that's 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 true. Understatement. Yeah, uh, that's true. But 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 he, here, when you go back to what we were t- started this conversation on public ed, um, you know, he he at one point we needed a working group on revenue. Uh, he he put together a bipartisan working group that came up with good, and it worked in a bipartisan manner. It worked hard, and I was proud to be on that. And and we came up with with recommendations that would have that are surprising in some respects. Uh, when he put together the conference committee on HB three, uh, he put two Democrats on, on that uh, committee because he had not always appointed Democrats to conference committees, that, that, as we know. That, right? That's right, and and yeah. and um, so my so I I I am pleased the way he 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 dealt with that, and I think he ended up with a result that he is he is pleased with uh, as 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 a result of the way he ended. Yeah, uh, Speaker Bonin has been uh, uh, heralded coming out of the session out of his first term. The way that uh, I remember Fred Lynn or Ichiro Suzuki in Major League Baseball were MVPs <laughs> in their rookie year. You know, again, back to the old Texas Monthly thing, the tradition was never put leadership on the best or worst list. And this would have been a session when I would have argued for putting Speaker Bonin on the best list, despite the fact that that would have gone against tradition. Mm. He had a hell of a session, didn't he? I, I, and I don't know the rules of all that that, that, that they do at Texas Monthly, but um, if they're going to break the rules, then this is the time th- to this break. This makes it. I mean, Dennis did a Dennis did a great job and managed, you know, managed a house that, you know, think about where we ended last session with a fist fight on the house floor. I know. I texted Pancho Navarro on the last day of the session. I said, seriously, you're not going to punch anybody today? <laughs> he left. I know. I was like, what's going on? Where I was like waiting around for some horrible thing to happen. <laughs> he wore a very, very horrible jacket. He said that, that he thought his it. jacket actually held everybody away from I him. I think that's <laughs> a sufficient. He's like, I wore this jacket specifically to ter- get people back. To stay away. Yeah, yeah. We need to get a picture of that. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, he I, had a good session. I, I don't know. I don't know how you have a list of best legislators and he not be on it. I right. think it's impossible. He set the tone for the session Correct. at the beginning and he carried through all the way through and he, and he was tough point. when he needed to be tough and not when he needed not to be. And to the extent that this was, you know, collective right. effort, he put the team in place. I mean, he was the one that put the players right. on the field in the right places. Yeah. Which is pretty amazing. Uh, governor had a better session this time than the last. Um, I think so. And in, in, because again, we were focused on, on real work. Um, and not throwing red. There were some red meat issues that right. were thrown was, was out. Was that there. the problem last time that he started out advocating for things that were going to necessarily divide everybody? So there was no way to end peace, peaceably, and this time not, and therefore it was a better outcome. There, there was there was a, a clearer focus on what the role of government should be, the yeah. role of state government should be. And I'll say one other thing: he um, there was better clarity this time on where his office might be so that you could actually work with them on bills right. that they might have concern with than in past sessions. Right. Um, hopefully that'll, that'll play out now as he, as he's signing yeah. and not vetoing bills. But, but the truth of the matter is that, that if you had questions, you know, like on the public information act bills that we passed, um, we were able to stay in contact with his office to make sure that, that we knew. If there were landmines on the road, you'd know about that. Right. Uh, my colleague, Ross Ramsey, uh, representative Moody says uh, you have different, senior staff in the governor's office this session and last. He calls out uh, Walter Fisher and Tommy Williams and Louis Sines as different players this time from last time. And he says he, I mean, this is a little bit of inside baseball, but he thinks mm-hmm. they made a material difference in terms of how the governor's office as an institution functioned in this session. I'd echo what the senator said. It, they were proactive 
Whereas before sometimes, and I heard this from colleagues last session, well, I never heard there's a problem with my bill and all of a sudden it's vetoed. And so this this time when there were issues that probably could be complicated at the end of the road, right. they were reaching out and saying, hey, if this gets to the desk, we want to make sure we're okay with it. So right. work with us on that. Let's get to the veto like, period and see if this holds. No, but, in fact, you know. even on, on the marijuana bill specifically, I mean, they didn't have to reach out to my office. They probably knew it was going to happen in the Senate with it anyway, uh, based on the Lieutenant Governor's comments. But they were proactive and said, if this happens to make it, right. we want to make sure that we can be okay with it. And so I, you can't ask for more than that. In the remaining couple of minutes we have, what uh, is the school finance issue of this interim? In other words, where will the attentions of the legislature, Representative Moody, be during this interim the way the attentions were on school finance last? Diego Bernal brought this up in our Democratic caucus meeting before we took up the conference committee on HB3. And he said, we need to move quickly to address how we're going to do this going forward. How is this going to, we need to start. Meaning revenue, where's the revenue going to come from and pay for it? He said, we cannot jump into this in January, 2021. We need to start talking about it today. Will the Democrats be open to a conversation about a sales tax swap, which I assume is going to come back with uh, with f- full force at some point? I mean, you all didn't like it because it was regressive. It's not going to get any less regressive if you talk about it a second time. Yeah, I mean, it seems to, I mean, from all the conversations I had, it was a non-starter. Yeah, so, and you, so you think it remains a non-starter? I don't know how that changes. You think it remains a non-starter? I think it remains a non-starter. Yes, I do. Um, I, but I do think that there are other things that expansion of of the sales tax, broadening the sales tax, recognizing that it is in fact the 21st century, and and so there are things you know like what with the Wayfair decision as a, an aspect of it. There there are other things that we can do to to, to the representative's point of how we uh, how we deal with our our revenue system, and I think we and I think I agree with Representative Bernal and others that we need to spend this interim leading on that and right. trying to figure out how we're going to get there. And that, and, and that includes a whole lot of things and, and where we put money. I mean, what we do, uh, I mentioned it earlier, what we do with roads and how, how, whether we're going to recognize that putting money into roads that you might otherwise be able to use another revenue stream is going to mean less money in schools or health care. Right. Let me quickly ask you about the elections of 2020. Since the next logical inflection point for a legislature is the composition of that legislature, and we're going to have a new legislature in 2021 built off of the elections of 2020. There is arguably, Senator Watson, only one seat in play, barring something unforeseen in the Senate, and that is Senator Flores, who won that special election in San Antonio. Um, You are now at 1912 Republican and Democrat. If you go down below 19, which is the threshold to bring a bill up, things get really interesting. Right. Sure. Um, that's the opportunity for your party to assert itself a little bit more aggressively in the next cycle is to go all in on uh, beating Senator Flores. Well, I think that that I think everybody's paying attention to that race. Right. Um, I think that that is is traditionally seen as a Democratic district. He was the first Republican to have right. that seat in 139 years, I believe. Right. Well, then that would be the definition. That would be of the traditionally definition. seen yeah. as a Democratic yeah. district. Yeah. 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 And. Um, and a lot of effort went into that special election. And it was so in a 2020, in a presidential year, presidential election year, uh, that will be, there's no question that'll be a focal point. Navarez, Gutierrez, who else, Representative Moody? Which of, which of your many Democratic colleagues will be in that Senate race? I'm I, assuming both of those guys may get in. I support them all. 
You do? You're not gonna. <laughs> He's with his friends. I will fantastic. not choose. <laughs> they're fantastic. I will not choose my favorite allies yeah, of mine yeah. for a long time. So you're at 8367 in the house. Uh, if, as Speaker Bonin has suggested, you could be Speaker Moody, not Speaker <laughs> Pro Tem Moody, but actual honest to goodness, yeah. big boy Speaker Moody, uh, it will take you all winning a net nine seats. Mm-hmm. Um, what about that? Uh, you know where the nine seats are. You also know that a couple of the folks who you sent to the legislature as Democrats last time are going to have a hard time getting reelected, or at least they won't have an easy time getting reelected. No, I think there's certainly some protect seats that are going to be on the radar uh, for the Democratic, uh, you know, for us as Democrats. Which of the Democratic seats you're most concerned about in the next cycle? Be specific. Uh, i got to call out. Does it rhyme with Beckley and Kalani? No, I mean, I think those seats, I think those seats um, were, were very, very, uh, you know, very tight to get those members here. Um, you know, I think both of them uh, tried to get their work done here so they can go back home and, 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 talk about their successes. And, and then you all mount a prevent defense. And then that's the way you got to do it. Yeah. Um, you know, I think the 2018 cycle pushed those seats a little quicker towards us than they would have otherwise. So we got to do our job to hold them. But I mean, you talk about Central Texas, Williamson County, Blanco and Hayes. I mean, this is gone. Republicans need to go I hear that else. Tony Dale got gone. a job with LCRA and therefore the sweat has disappeared from John Busey's brow. I, I, I love I love Tony to death, work with him a yeah. lot, but... Those seats are just gone. You think that the, the suburbs that, have flipped and that's it? The math isn't there anymore. You worried about Erin's Weiner? Uh, you know, I, to the extent that she's you know, certainly going to face opposition, I'm always worried about it. The worst reason I'm really worried is that, is that I think she's a fantastic member of the House. She had a good first session. She had a great she first did. session. And she, you know, probably there were a lot of people betting against her even being here. And not only did she get here, she made an impact in her freshman you got session. got to count on the Bolsheviks on the Texas State campus turning out in the numbers they did last time. So, well, here's the, th- here's the thing. She understands that district. Yeah. And and that is, a, if you have right. one conversation with it, it's very apparent. She knows that district inside she, and out. She knows it very well, and she worked very hard. Right. Well, it's going to get interesting, isn't it, in the next uh, 18 months or so mm-hmm. before you all come back. So um, get some rest. <laughs> yes. All right. We'll see you back here soon. Thanks, Thanks for having us. Okay. You've been listening to Point of Order, a proud member of the Texas Tribune's family of podcasts. Thanks to our guests, State Representative Joe Moody and State Senator Kirk Watson. And thanks to the sponsors of this episode, the Meadows Mental Health Policy Institute, Lone Star College, and Texas State Technical College. If you've enjoyed the Tribune's deep coverage of the 86th legislative session across our various platforms, consider supporting our nonpartisan, nonprofit newsroom at texastribune.org slash join and tell your friends to do the same. Now that the 86th has gaveled out, so will we. This is the last episode of Point of Order, though it's not the last you'll hear from us in this space. Soon enough, we'll roll out another season of a retooled podcast devoted to another set of policy issues or political battles that impact every one of us in this amazing, nutty, lovable, superlative state we call home. Don't unsubscribe. We'll be back. Enjoy your brief respite from the crazy. Until next time, I'm Evan Smith.